Ladies, gentlemen, geeks of all ages, you are now entering BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Welcome. Yes, welcome to BJ Shea's Geek Nation. I am the Reverend in Fuego. Across from me is Vicky Barcelona. Hello. Show's namesake BJ Shea is on assignment. And running the boards is Joey D's. Yeah, it's Wednesday, comic book day. So go out to your local comic book store, grab all those comic book issues you've got from the pull box, and make sure and, uh, yeah, do all that fun stuff. Mm. On today's show, I will get stoked about a local pinball show. Joe will give us his thoughts on the season one of the Amazon Prime show Halo. Hello. Hello. Is it me you're looking for? We will talk about the Marvel villains ranked. And we will get to the Geek Sheet with Vicky B. Vicky, how can people get a hold of us? Get a hold of us via our website, bjgeeknations.com. Dot com. It's going to have our blogs, podcasts, and more. More. Or just search BJ Shays Geek Nation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, iTunes, and the Odyssey app. app, app, app. So many ways to check out all of our stuff. Now, I want to know, you guys, uh, I know that a lot of people here are down for gaming. How big are you guys on pinball? I have been to many pinball arcades. Yeah. With a lot of beer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's a great one down in Tacoma called the Triple Knock. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a uh, it's a bar, uh, it's a barcade, but only does pinball. And it's fantastic. And We've spent many a date night there. I've spent many a times uh, going down to Portland and going to Ground Control. Yeah. Ground Control with the Ks. Like at night, they kick all the kids out and then they turn <laughs> into full bar mode. Hell yeah. So much fun. So many different pinball machines. I'm either really, really great at it or awful. Yeah. Yeah. There's no in between. Yeah. I totally understand that, especially with all the different games out there. And there are so many. Now, if you are in the greater Northwest area, and if maybe if you're in the Tacoma, Seattle area, Come down to Tacoma because the Northwest Pinball and Arcade Show is happening this Friday to Sunday. So Friday, June 3rd, Saturday, June 4th, and Sunday, June 5th. It's going to be happening at the Greater Tacoma Convention Center. After a two-year hiatus due to COVID, the Northwest Pinball and Arcade Show is back. Once a year, local volunteers and collectors build the largest arcade in the Northwest. The convention includes over 400 pinball and arcade machines. They're all on free play. They're going to have guest speakers. They're going to have tournaments, world record attempts, vendors, a kid's zone, kids' tournaments. So you don't have to worry about uh, getting wrecked by a six-year-old playing pinball. And also game-related merchandise and drawings to win your own pinball or arcade game every day of the show. This is run by the community For the community, 100% volunteer. Your admission price will get you access to all the 400-plus machines, and those are all set to free play. So you just go in there, you pay the admission, and you can just play your hearts out. So if you suck at one pinball game, you can just move on to the next one. All right, Rev, what's your pinball game of choice? My Well, there's a couple of them. I liked the Lord of the Rings one. That one was super fun. Um, For a little bit more of the old-school ones, I really love the Elvira machine. (laughs) That one's a lot of fun, too. So I think those two have been my favorite. Plus, I also liked the Metallica. And the Kiss ones because they would play they would play the songs. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, so they have certain songs on the track, and you could uh, pick them uh, before you shoot your ball, and that would be your soundtrack as you're going through. So those are some of my favorite ones right there. If I had to pick one, I'd probably have to go with the Terminator machine, dude. That one was so, the T2 machine yeah. with the big old skull in it. Yep. that was so cool. And usually, like all the ones that I'm talking about are the ones that 
remember because I, I mean I've gone to this uh, pinball and arcade show. Obviously not the last two years, but previous to that, I'd gone a bunch of different times on it. Super fun. You're gonna make fun of me for mine. Uh oh, which one? It's not even officially a machine. Oh. It's a 3D pinball space cadet that came in Windows like 95 or whatever. Oh hell yeah! I used that's to a... play the crap out of that. I, no, there's no, there's no making fun of on that one. Yes. That one was also legit. It helped you get your fix. I mean, for the longest time when I still had an iPad that worked, and I probably still had the account, I had the <laughs> Zen pinball that you could get on your uh, iOS device, and then you could, you had one standard like I think maybe like <laughs> king and queen sort of like medieval type board. <laughs> But I also ended up buying the Deadpool board because it was really fun, really ridiculous. So with those ones, like again, like any sort of form of uh, a pinball, I've always loved. And if you do as well, you need to check out the Northwest Pinball and Arcade Show, like I said, June 3rd through the 5th. And you can get more info at nwpinballshow.com. If you don't know and you can't figure it out, we've also got some links up on our Facebook page. So you can go check that out and search through that as well. But uh, if you're there, hopefully you'll be able to see me. Uh, I'll be, I don't know which board I'll be behind, but I'll be behind one of the boards. Yeah. Moving on from that, Joe. Hey. One of my favorite things is to hear why you hate something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> most of the time when we've talked about stuff, you've got real sticking points when it comes down to things like time travel and uh, sometimes the multiverse things going along with that. And it's been a while since we've gotten your opinion about a new either franchise or a new show. And you out of everybody have has been the only one to go and watch all episodes of the new Halo season on Amazon Prime. And I know that there is a big divide with people who are either gamers who are watching this show because they love the antics of Master Chief and the new people who are interested in it as a sci-fi military type show. And I was intrigued until I've read more stuff about it and I decided, you know what? I'm going to let Joe watch all of it and tell me what he thinks about this first season. And just by looking at kind of the pursed lips on your face, I feel we're going to get an angry Joe on this one. I'm an angry Joe on this one, Rev. <laughs> it's now, unfortunate. Now, this is an interesting one, too, because when if you've ever played the Halo games, Master Chief has been and unmasked, you've never seen his face, and one of the big things in this is pretty early on, you see his face, and you realize, well, and they're pushing it as he's human just like every other Spartan warrior, which wasn't the case in the game, so there's a big disconnect right there. Yeah, they kind of just mashed all the Halo games together, and they're kind of taking freedoms and liberties with what's actually going to happen. The main story is similar. There's a Halo, there are artifacts, they don't really know what they do. They're fighting the Covenant in a war, and they're trying to find this what they think is a weapon to win the war against the Covenant. All right. I got to tell you, though, <laughs> a majority of the story is Master Chief's traumatic childhood. Mm. And it's just not great. because They do that a lot, don't they? They do that. <laughs> and it's, so it's, it's that mixed with this new character called Quan, who is on Martapool, Magipool, one of the made-up planets that they're on, essentially. It's the main planet that they focus on. Mm -hmm. She's on this planet, and her people somehow are connected to an ancient well, as you find out. Spoiler alert. And if I'm spoiling this for you, be happy about it, because this show is not (laughs) worth watching. 
Uh, but and it, and uh, unanimously, every episode that this character is in is terrible. It's just bad. wow. You, you don't care. The it's about Halo and Master Chief. This is what the show should be about. Yeah. They have episodes where she has entire episodes with just her. That's not and what no the Master show, Chief and no Master Chief. Three, oh jeez, three episodes. How many episodes are in the first nine. season? Oh, nine. Oh damn, that's a third of the damn thing. And here's the thing: if you're gonna do a traumatic backstory, that's fine. It's great, but you have to set who the character is first. I have to care about who they are now before I can care about who they were in the past. Or at least, like, there's a lot of times where they'll set up as a character as a total and complete bastard. And this character's like, you're like, oh, I hate this character. And then they kind of start bringing in that stuff so you see why they had a little bit of a traumatic story, humanizing them a little bit if you need to. Um, but I agree with you on that aspect. Like, you need to have some character development before you have that reveal. I agree with that. And this just feels like exactly what the Foundation did. And the big problem with that show was that the first episode or two have all the budget, and then they just string you along for five episodes, and then they dump one more episode or maybe one other one after that. So you get, you know, you get a filler of five episodes, and then you get four episodes with the real budget. And the filler is this story that you're hoping will get you to the end. But, they, I mean, you see the Halo twice in the series. They never get to it. Oh, <laughs> Never. It's well, not even well, close. Well, that'll be season two or three or four. Don't worry about Master it, Master Chief has a love interest that uh, what, is what? a spy that he would never trust in a million years because they have about ten minutes of screen time together. But he falls in love and then out of love with her in that ten minutes. All right. Well, I mean, good for him on that point. Gets laid. Good for him, right? Congrats, Master Chief. That's over. Well, okay. But, I mean... All right, being the nitpicker person that I don't want to be right now, but I am, like, if you know anything about the series, one of the things is, like, they bump down his sexual drive in, like, 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 like mechanically or however which way, you know, artificially, so he would be more of just a single-minded, focused killing machine. Is this, like... Like Master Chief in his first couple of years while they're like tweaking like the like settings or something like this. Oh well see, Rev, I mean he took that pill out of his back and so now he can feel emotions for the first time. Uh, and the okay. first thing you do after doing that is you go bang a spy. I well, mean yeah, that's, that's just what you clearly do, right? good writing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, dude, it's like you can't wow. I sit here. And the thing is, there are good moments to the show. The fight scenes in the CGI are fine. They're 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 perfectly good. If you watch probably the thirty total minutes in the series, you're like, all right, this is good. <laughs> Do but they have you, a supercut? But yeah, but that that's exactly it. Like, there's no Master Chief moment. You're like, where is Master Chief in the Halo series? Like, yeah. Like, I want to see him. That's what we I mean, that's no offense to whoever wrote the show, but it's it called Halo. And, you know, the main character is supposed to be the main character. And it just kind of gets sidetracked with all this stuff. And you get to the last episode that was supposed to be a two-parter, but they cut and made into one episode for some reason. Oh. Yeah, we're, I guess that makes sense why they only had nine episodes. Maybe COVID stuff? Yeah, Whatever, yeah. yeah. there's always an excuse. That's what I always say with shows <laughs> yeah. like this. There's yeah. always an excuse why there was a better idea to do less content than more in a show that <laughs> couldn't even complete half a story. Womp, womp. Uh, so in the end, they go to the Covenant planet finally to recover these artifacts to try to get to Halo, where apparently they don't even know it's a star map. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> okay. The Covenant know it's a star map. They're having a great time. The Covenant are over here doing nothing. Though I can't believe they fell for that human spy that we captured and abused for 10 years and then sent back to Bang Master Chief. That Damn. was the plan the whole time. Well, I, like, I mean, okay. These like, aliens are pretty smart. They got him real good. But so <laughs> they have Cortana as an AI that's implanted in Master Chief. And yeah. the, the storyline is the only way 
that he can save his crew who have been blasted on this Covenant planet and recover the artifacts is for them to, you know, have Cortana take over his body and flush his personality out the window that might not come back. Who knows? It will. Come on. That's how writing goes in this day and age. <laughs> but she has to go full AI and take over his body and become Prime Master Chief. And well... so she does that. And then all of a sudden, after Master Chief gets absolutely battered in this fight, like it's everything's broken, nothing works. Well, now that she's taken over her body, that's full recovery. Okay, that's one hundred percent bonus back to your HP. It's kind of like ending your final form yeah. in a, a DBZ show. Like this is final form, Master Chief. Now it's not John, not not the character that you know and love. This is Cortana Chief. So now she comes in. Well, I mean, maybe that. I mean, maybe that's how they're trying to get to the actual Master Chief. Like, I mean, that's a long way to go, though, for that. But this is the best part. So he does, she does that, right? And she's pretty cool. It's pretty badass chief. Like, she shoots a bunch of grunts, and like, all of a sudden, like, well, this is the kick-ass stuff that I was doing yeah, in the yeah, show. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but then she navigates the pelican that they flew in on with her AI abilities. It probably kills, like, you know, 95% of the enemies that way. And you're just sitting there, and you're like, I don't. I don't think she needed the body to do that. I think she should have just she done that the just whole time. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, Cortana, you could have just done that, you know. Yeah. Wow. And so that's pretty much the show in a nutshell. Wow. It seems like um, even if you're a big fan of Halo, you might not necessarily love this. No, and they do the first person thing from Doom as well, which went over really that well in that, go no, well in that one. No, yeah. I mean, that's cute, but I don't. Yeah, I try. I try. I very few shows, Picard being one of them, has me looking at my phone and being bored. <laughs> and there wow. are just times where, yeah. you know, because they do the 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 backstory of the political thing where no one trusts anyone, and they're always wildly incompetent, and things happen, and characters just show up because they need to do plot point, you know, yeah. moving along. And it's just like, ugh, ugh, <laughs> God, you're just supposed to just be cool, man. Just be John Wick. Just That's be what cool. I said. Just be John Wick. Yeah. Just be John Wick. That's all we wanted to see was John Wick in space. That's what this was show was supposed to be. Well, if you if you disagree with <laughs> Joe on this, I'd love to hear why. Shoot me an email at bjgeeknation at gmail.com, but uh, I, maybe you're not going to revisit season two. I, I mean, give it maybe like, you got to get some resolution on it. It's one of those shows where it could be better in season two because all of that story building is gone. Both showrunners that were the, in this first season are gone. The first one quit before the show started. The oh, second wow. one quit halfway through. So, okay. So they're, they're gone. Okay. So we're going to get something new. I hope it's better than what we had. Because <laughs> well, I love this universe. Yeah, right. We'll see where that goes with all of that. Um, before we get to the geek sheet with Vicky, we do, I do have a list of the Marvel villains ranked, and Nerdist did this, so it'll be interesting to see where they go with it. Now, they did rank all 32, and I've got the list of the top 10 right now. Now, let's uh, let's see what you guys think. Who do you think would be uh, one of your favorite villains? And I can tell you where they're ranked at on this. Now, this is Marvel? Marvel. So Marvel. this is Marvel MCU. Okay. This is the Marvel Cinematic Universe villains for what all, I guess now, all 32 of the movies. Good God. And uh, so give me your MCU thoughts on this. Do they count Loki as a villain in this? They do. And Loki is number two. Number two. And I think that is a really good call on that, too. Like, Loki had probably one of the best arcs. He's a good guy. He's a bad guy. And in the end, he gets uh, he gets wasted for doing the good thing. Um, but through all of it, you could never, ever, ever trust him. And it became he became a big mm-hmm. threat at that point. Oh, yeah. Never trust Loki. Yep. No. Um, I'm going to have to go with number one being the obvious. And that's Rev's favorite. 
Thanos. You are correct. Yeah. Yes, Thanos is number one. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna try to influence it whatsoever, but I mean, he's my favorite because he had one of the coolest comic book series as well. And this whole, the first. The three phases of the MCU, 100% was leading to the Infinity Saga. So the fact that they were able to do that, they made it happen. It came out with two satisfying movies. The satisf- the uh, uh, the first one was satisfying for me, and then the second one was satisfying for everyone else because mm. the heroes got to finally win. Yeah, the first one's arguably the best movie in the franchise. Yeah, yeah. So I really, I mean, yeah. For me, absolutely. Going backwards down this for just the top ten, and you can go to Nerdist to find the whole list of them. Uh, Number ten was Mysterio from Spider-Man Far From Home. Okay. Number nine was Kingpin and Hawkeye. So it was interesting how they integrated that there. (laughs) And I have to think also with the fact that they have announced a new Daredevil series uh, and the fact that Daredevil and all of the the Netflix shows are now on Disney Plus that you can still go watch it there. I think that Kingpin is going to be a little bit more hard or less like this. New Kingpin is going to be a little less hardcore than the original one, but still badass, still insane, still crazy. Uh, number eight was the Green Goblin in Spider-Man No Way Home. Oh, that yeah. was a good one. Uh, Hela got number seven from Thor Ragnarok. Number six, I was kind of surprised about this, was Agatha Harkness in WandaVision. Uh, she was good. She- <laughs> the song, like, I hit I hit number one and stuff, everything. Did it really? I believe so. It, like, everyone was singing it. Everyone was obsessed with it. It was Agatha all along. Uh, And then on the opposite aspect of that, number five is the Scarlet Witch from Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. I think that's going to go up on my list as time goes on. You know what? And as I've been paying more attention about it, like I didn't necessarily like Doctor Strange as a movie, but I still did like um, the Scarlet Witch arc. Because it was interesting, and if you watch WandaVision, everything was laid out for this to still happen. And there's a lot of theories that have gone out there. I felt that a couple of things in the movie were rushed and a little bit extra ridiculous. Like BJ has stated, Reed Richards did not have to be like, oh, I didn't see this all coming. Like, there's like the smartest man in the world should have been able to see as this was happening. But it also shows how powerful Scarlet Witch was, which she is. She's a reality-breaking character. Yeah, I heard rumors that Bruce Campbell was actually talking about the fact that they wanted to cut <clears throat> Doctor Strange almost entirely out of the movie, essentially. Well, and they, I mean, they could have. Yeah. Like, the way they put it out there, they kind of could have at this point. And Sam Raimi's, like, fought to save him and stuff like that. He's like, no, you gotta have him in the movie, blah, blah, blah. But, like, could you imagine if we got, like, a three- or four-hour version of that movie? I think that would have helped a lot. Yeah. I think it really would have helped a lot. It should have just been a show. Yes. 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 <laughs> Uh, number four, Eric Killmonger from Black Panther. I was going to say, he's better be on this list. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I thought that he was, uh, again, amazing. I thought maybe I'd put him higher than number three, who was Wenwu from Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Really? Yeah. Hmm. So I thought, like, Wenwu, I don't really remember much that about- That was his father, right? Yes. And I didn't think that he was that big. Like, this is really the only kind of contentious uh, character that I felt in this, because- <clears throat> We don't have any background for him because he wasn't a character in the comic books. So that was kind of cool in that aspect. It was, again, another father character, so the generational trauma thing that we I always I was going to say, I feel like that's the start of a, a start of it because we got yeah. that, we got, what is it, uh, Encanto, Turning Red. All of those, yeah. Like, it's all about the, the main villain being generational trauma. See, at that point, like, for all of these characters, I probably would have put Wenwu down uh, probably past the top five, like, bumped everybody up yeah. on that one. But maybe still in, like, the top ten, 
because it was still a cool character, and I really liked how they did the aspect of that. Like, no, I want you to join, you know, like what we're doing, and I want to bring all this back. But at the same aspect, I just felt that that character wasn't as compelling as any of the other characters on this list. But at now that I'm thinking point of all the other villains that we haven't mentioned, like Yellow Jacket. And Do you, yeah, yeah, like and even going any from of the, the top, Iron yeah. Man villains. Now, and I'll just m- note that the last. Uh, I'll just note the, the like the bottom two because it makes sense. Would be Sonny Birch from Ant Man and the Wasp okay. because he really wasn't useful at all, Mm-mm. and then Mel Kith from Thor in the Dark World, oh, which yeah. yeah like those ones weren't really big and I mean Yellow Jacket got 30th as well so like <laughs> these aren't really good villains and that got kind of into my whole like hey guys the villains don't need to be the exact opposite of these characters for us to keep going like we don't need that so yeah by and large I felt that this list is actually solid Nerdist usually isn't doing something out there to get you know people clicking on like whatever they say is for the top ones so it makes sort of sense on that one would be the only one that is a little bit of a point of contention but let me know what you guys think about that bjgeeknation at gmail.com tell me why i'm wrong tell me why nerdist is right and uh well now it is time for the geek sheet with vicky b all right vicky what do you got for us so you and i recently made an like official unofficial like we haven't talked about it on the podcast deal mm-hmm. where i say here's a movie you have to watch and you have to watch it and then you tell me a movie i have to go and watch and i have to go and watch and we're going to go back and forth on this. Yeah. That way you're, ex- like, one, exposed to more movies. Like, we're both exposed to more movies. But also we can get each other's references now. Yeah, exactly. And, like, you know, like, I, and I'm willing to see some scary movies, but I need, you know, they will take me a little longer because I need to find the right movie viewing partner. Yeah. I'm not watching them by myself. <laughs> not just your uh, poor Squishmallows. Or my little brother, even though I think he'd be fine with it. He thinks anything scary is hilarious. He's one of those Ooh. kids that likes to get scared. And in nice. Halloween time, he's sitting there looking at all the scary, like, Wolfman stuff. At like Home Depot, and he's like, "Oh, this all is right." Cool. Now, see, this is what's going to happen. It's just like once he gets to maybe be like five or six, uh, I'll start getting him into the really scary stuff that you have to watch too. Right? <laughs> like he doesn't want to see the train movie anymore. He doesn't want to see the big train movie, which is Polar Express. He wants to see. Is there a train killing movie? I'm sure there is. Probably. There's I don't a lot know. of murders on trains. <laughs> oh yes, actually, yes. Uh, Midnight Meat Train. Oh God. yes, it's got a uh, uh, it's got Vinnie Jones in it, and as well as uh, Bradley Cooper. Oh, it's a really good one. Interesting. So anyway, uh, so I was scrolling through the internet, looking at uh, different articles, and this one caught my eye because one of the pictures they used, and the article is great movies that are held back by unnecessary romantic subplots. And recently Ooh. you watched Ratatouille. Yes. And that was one of my small little issues with it. Like, yeah. the movie's absolutely ridiculous, and I'm glad that I've seen it. Like, yeah, it, I, and I feel bad that it's taking me so long and so much pestering from Vicky about this. It came out, what, 2008? Uh, 2007? 2000, yeah, between there and, like, 2009, somewhere right yeah. around that area. And it was... Fun, ridiculous, but the one thing that kind of put me off was Colette and uh, uh, Linguini's like kind of like quickly just their forced relationship, Mm -hmm. and I was like, that doesn't seem necessary at all. Like I like now that I'm older, I can definitely see it that way. Like when I first saw it, I was obviously like what eighteen, nineteen years old. Yeah. So in my head, I always felt like they they were each other's yin and yang. Yeah. Like, and I get that too, but it like the relationship didn't need to happen. It didn't need to. It could have just been like, oh yeah, uh, co-patriots in the kitchen. Like that respect, like mutual Absolutely. respect. Absolutely. And but also it didn't detract 
mm-hmm. from the movie was just like, oh, that's kind of strange. I don't need that. Mm-hmm. But again, at that same point, it's not a plot point where I'm like, oh, this is the worst movie ever or anything like that. Yeah. And it didn't even take away from it in the slightest. No. I still like the movie a lot. It said something like, uh, the who needed a love story in a movie about a rat chef? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's totally what I thought about that. When I think of this movie or the the coupling, I think of the uh, the meme where it's like, "Why do men like bitchy women?" <laughs> and it's like, "I'm not gonna tell them uh, the restaurant that my mashed potatoes are cold or that I wanted mashed potatoes. They need somebody who was like the loud, fiery one." And so that's why I thought of like when I think of <laughs> them, I think of that meme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I need someone to yell to the to the waiter. About it's like my I'm not gonna do it. I'm too potatoes. shy. Uh, but they they. I'm curious to see what you guys think. If there's any movies that come to mind that you thought the the love plot was completely unnecessary, uh, they do have a whole list of them. But the first one that I came up with, yeah, was the whole Hulk and Black Widow thing. Yeah, that, that was, was completely unnecessary, unneeded, and that one did show up on this list. That makes sense too, and I do like how Thor Ragnarok kind of made fun of that as well too. When it was Thor trying to do it with like, Hulk. Hey. And then Hulk just like, like Hulk no. smashes. And so it worked out really well. I really enjoyed that where they kind of like, well, we're just going to put this weird thing to bed. Yeah, it just it felt weird. It felt forced. Like out of all the characters she has bonded with, it would have made sense. Like obviously Hawkeye, I love the twist where it's like, no, they were just that freaking close because they have been through, you know, hell Lots and all this crap. other crap. Yeah, yeah. So there is that like love for each other. But it wasn't romantic love. And I love, you know, hey, he's got a family and kids. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. thought that was awesome. And then you think, oh, maybe with Captain America, there's something there. But it's just they're both very beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful. You know um, what? Just thinking even in like the MCU, the one that reminded me too was um, was Sharon Carter and Steve Rogers. Yeah. Like that wasn't necessary at all. And, and also kind go- of weird with the whole like niece and like you were dating my aunt. And, and then I'm going to sort of like you were going to start dating and then I'm going to leave to go back in time. And bang your aunt. So, by the way, I also uh, hung out with your niece. No, that's not just that's something that doesn't come up. No, I hope not, at least. I mean, I feel like he's not—he's sometimes socially awkward. But I feel like he's learned at this point. He knows. He knows. <laughs> well, what else is on this list? Uh, first one being Jurassic World. Um, so this is the new Jurassic Park franchise. We have Chris Pratt's character, uh, and uh, I always get him confused. Bryce Dallas Howard. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it just felt like... Or was it Jessica Chastain? Which one was it? Bryce <laughs> Dallas Howard. It was? Okay. Yes. <laughs> I, was like, I, I was like, I just second-guessed myself because I wasn't sure. <laughs> no, Chastain was in the horrible X-Men movie. Yeah, we Bryce, don't talk about that. Bryce Dallas Howard is who should make the next Star Wars movie. The movie was trash, I man. I cannot believe how many times you have to say that sentence, right? For so many of the X-Men movies, we don't talk about that Dark, movie. Okay? Dark Phoenix was so bad. <laughs> we so, don't so talk bad. about Phoenix. <laughs> no, yeah. no. I was trapped on an airplane and I stopped watching that movie. Ugh. Oh, man. Especially after seeing Doctor Strange is wondering why can they not get Phoenix correct? Okay. Well, you know, <laughs> hey, it's kind of a complicated story, by the way. Mm-hmm. I'm on fire. <laughs> I am. I am. So what uh, else? Yeah, what else? Yeah, got? It, it really when I watch because I've only seen the first one of the new one. Yeah, I really, I'm. I'm not okay. Okay. Oh. When I went to go see the second Jurassic Park movie in theaters, yeah, I had nightmares for a month. I kept oh. thinking there was raptors in my closet. <laughs> And so I'd wake I, up, I'm like, oh my God. And, so, and to be honest, there have been plenty of times, because every once in a while we'll talk about our weird dreams that we have. Mm-hmm. Like you do, you are still influenced by whatever you watch. Yes. And then when you go to bed, you have these weird ass dreams. So that will absolutely happen again and, for you. And I can usually, especially if I have a good night's <laughs> sleep. Like, yeah, Rev and I like text the weirdest crap to each other in our in our non-podcast and work time. 
in my dreams, if I get a good night's sleep where I don't have to wake up with an alarm, I will have the most vivid, weird-ass dreams. And they feel real. Yeah. Like, there was one where I had a dream, and my mom freaked out because I was sleeping on the couch. I had a dream I was carrying a bunch of groceries, and I stepped in what I thought was a sh- like a shallow puddle. Ended up being like a big giant sinkhole. So I woke up going, <gasps> like gasping oh, for air. Geez. And my mom's like, go check on her. She's choking. And my dad's like, are you okay? I'm like, nope. I just, I thought I was falling in a big puddle. <laughs> Sorry. Damn. So yes, I, I, I haven't seen any of the, I'm not going to see the new one, even if though if it, I hear people are excited for it. Uh, it just felt like one of those like rich, pretty girls and smart girls with the dirty hunk guy. Like, yeah, uh, it, it, you didn't need it. Just no. like everyone could just mutually be terrified of the dinosaurs and run away from them without romance. My favorite part is the first one, the, the scientist that creates the Omega Rex or whatever they call it, which yeah, is just, you know, yeah, the alpha yeah. predator Big again. Daddy. <laughs> yeah, they should call it Big Daddy Rex that I'm in. I'm in. He's like, well, of course he made it more deadly. And then in this preview for this new one, he's like, we made a mistake. And it's like, <laughs> no. Yeah, I know. Yeah. You're the ninth scientist in these movie franchises to say that. Uh, <laughs> Good point. So I don't remember which one this one was. Transformers Dark of the Moon. Uh, was that Dark was like, Side of the Moon. It's well, it was Dark like the of the Moon. Second or third one. Something. But like this is the one that did not have Megan Fox in so it. So I think it was the third one at that mm-hmm. point in time. Yeah, they were done with her. And then it was like, what, Sexy Robot was trying to infiltrate Shia LaBeouf's college room or something yes. like that? The blonde chick? I think that might be yeah, it. The yeah, the blonde chick with the, the robot tail. Yeah, I guess not great. But yeah, poor that's, Shia. That's what they're saying. It's <laughs> poor like, Shia. is Transformers know, Dark of the Moon a great movie? Um, no. Well, no. Is Transformers Dark of the Moon a fun movie with mind blowing special effects? Absolutely, especially yeah. since Michael Bay directed it. Um, it's originally it's one that you could recommend if you like that kind of stuff, but it's uh, yeah, it's a significant step down from the first two ones. Uh, especially like you know now that we don't have Megan Fox, you know, showcasing her uh, mm, talent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just it seemed. I think they call those assets. They didn't Acting re- skills. <laughs> they didn't like Shia LaBeouf and the new chick didn't really have much chemistry. None. It just it was. Eh. Well, I mean, spoiler: she was a robot, so I but, mean, kind of a mechanical r- performance. But like, she's just pretty. That's all they they were going off of. <laughs> you can't just be pretty and act. I thought that was no. I don't. know. What am I gonna do? Uh, hey. You can be pretty and act, and they're called adult films. Oh! Mm. All right. Anyways, (laughs) I'm not wrong. Next on this list. I haven't seen this one. Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow was the, what was it? With Tom Cruise and- um, Live, Die, Repeat, or Kill, Die, Repeat. Yes. Yes. Live, Die, Repeat. And that one uh, one was fun, and I'll be honest, I forgot that there was any sort of romantic thing, but I think it was like, it was obviously Tom Cruise's character- And and Emily Blunt. Yeah, as she was like trying to like explain what was happening and try to get them through all of this stuff that was going on. So yeah, I don't remember that being part of it, because I was still blown away by A, the concept, which I thought was super fun. And then also just uh, the special effects on it were outstanding. Yeah, the love story was kind of a, just a toss away at the end because essentially they can't really win without sacrificing themselves. And you know that going through the movie because yeah, yeah, yeah. they're fighting an alien race that can see the future. Mm-hmm. But the way that they were trying to do it was that because he has to relive the same day over and over again, he really only interacts with her. So he falls in love with her because he's literally just spending his entire life over the span of two years with her. And that kind of makes sense at that point in time that you would form that bond. Does it need to be romantic? Well, it couldn't be because she's not reliving the day. So it's only no. him. Oh, yeah, so you're it's right. really it's weird. weird. Once 
excited. Yeah, that actually makes it even worse. And she knows it because she had the power but lost it. So she's like, I know you're living this day over and over again, but I've only known you for 18 hours and I don't really like you. <laughs> it's just funny. So it says, uh, so the entire Hollywood blockbuster in which the two leads don't end up together share even one physical moment of traditional affection. Instead, Emily Blunt had to improvise a kiss between her and Tom Cruise during the film's climax. The kiss is more of a thank you than anything else, but still, like, that was... Thank you for being yeah, a Tom, friend. Yes. Yeah, the reality is, after Tom's character wins, he's essentially insane. Mm-hmm. He's gone. He is off. <laughs> you know, <laughs> goodbye. Uh, another one on this list, Get Smart. Did you guys watch that one? I saw that one with uh, Steve, Steve Carell. Carell. I walked out on it. Actually, I, wa- I wanted to walk out on it, and everyone's like, oh, it's such a funny movie. I'm like, if you want a funny Get Smart movie, go watch the old original one. Right. <laughs> I'm going to be that guy. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it seems, it's only, like, I feel like we're now getting to the age, and maybe it's either because I'm getting older or, uh, I don't know, we're in a different time now, but when you see an actor that is much older than his leading lady, if you will, like, it feels weird. And then she did have a good backstory. Like, she had to do a bunch of plastic surgery because she's a spy mm-hmm. to not look like herself. And, like, one of the lines was something like, I used to look like my mom. Like, but now I don't because she's like, I don't know anything about you. Well, I used to look like my mom. Mm-hmm. And that's why she looks so young and pretty. I get it, but it was still kind of weird. Yeah. And I mean, that like was what S- Steve Carell and uh, Anne Hathaway, yeah. right? And don't get yeah. me wrong. Like, Steve, Steve yeah. Carell like, doesn't seem like a slimy human being. So, like, seeing him kiss like somebody that's younger isn't that weird, but it's still Overall, weird. it's still, it's sort of that thing. I mean, and even at this point, like, the age difference thing is something that even, um, uh, Sam Neill and uh, Laura Dern have talked about with uh, uh, the original Jurassic Park. And I never really realized there was that big of a difference. There is a pretty large yeah, difference. 20 years, I think. Yeah, so at that point in time, you're like, oh, that's kind of weird. Well, they're still adults. Like, but love never, is love, but... They never really... I don't remember them being very romantic, though. Like, there was that, like, connection, and I think by the second movie, she had gotten married to somebody else. Yeah, they had... They were... Uh, in, in the books and in the movie, they were dating, uh-huh. and it was the whole thing was the <clears throat> fact that um, they weren't uh, uh, he didn't want kids and yes. she did and so that was that whole thing of like bonding with the children mm-hmm. was kind of that little bit of a subplot um, for uh, uh, for Sam Neill's character and obviously it still didn't work out with that right. because in the second yeah, she, she had she was married and uh, you know moving on from that sort of thing but there was always that like love for each other regardless yeah exactly. But- who knows? But I think also the reason why they're pointing it out is that Maxwell Smart ends up being, he's like a goofball. Yeah. And she's a very serious spy, and it's like, really? This is who you're going to date? Mm. Yeah. All right, let's do one more. Uh, Batman Begins. Batman? Well, I mean, like, Batman shouldn't have, or Bruce Wayne should have a relationship. Which one are they referring <clears throat> to? So they said the film tried hardest to make Bruce Wayne relationship work in Batman Begins. That's the one with Katie Holmes. Yeah. Um, but there wasn't much chemistry between Katie Holmes and Christian Bale. Holmes' Rachel plays a vital part in the movie, and her character is set up to be an important person in his life. Mm-hmm. But by the next movie, she's re- recast and eliminated. So, so much for that. Yeah. Like, it just, it well, and that's the whole thing. Flat. It's like if, if, if the chemistry isn't going to work out, they're just not going to dwell on it. They're just going to move on, find something mm-hmm. else, find a different character, find a different actor, and just try to make it work for the next one. Because... Everybody, they everything they need to feel that they have to put in a relationship in it, uh, be, or else Hollywood doesn't understand why 
people, especially women, would want to go see movies as opposed to, you know, going to see a movie for movie reasons. Yeah. Movies. Yeah. It's like, if you're going to force a crappy love story in there, I don't want to see it. Like, either give me a good love story, and if it's going to be, you know, nerdy, cool. Yep. If not, just give me something nerdy and cool. Exactly. Until next time, guys, stay nerdy.